This is the Maker's Garage, presented by Carbide 3D. Erica Loach specializes in custom hand lettering. Her designs are one of a kind. We wondered, what if you introduced her to CNC? What if you gave her the power to create in a new medium? What would she make? How would she adapt her art to a shape oko? She has a great video up on our YouTube channel, Hand Lettering to CNC, if you want to check that out on the Carbide 3D channel. You can also find her at the Love Letterer. That is L-O-V-E-L-E-T-T-E-R-E-R on Instagram. Go ahead and follow her there. She has a lot of really cool stuff, maybe something to inspire you. She was kind enough to give us some time for the Maker's Garage. Here's my conversation with Erica. How'd you get started hand lettering? Um, I just found some stuff on Pinterest. This was like, oh man, um, when my my oldest child was a baby. So she's almost seven. So it was about seven years ago almost. Um, I was really into crafting and making things. I like to dabble in a lot of artistic things. If I find something, I always try to say like, can I make that myself? Um, and so I was looking on Pinterest and saw hand lettering, I think like addressing Christmas cards, um, with pretty lettering. And, um, and that was something that I could do with a baby with me. Cause I had to really abandon a lot of crafty things that I liked to do before. I really liked to do cookie and cupcake decorating and I couldn't do that with the baby. So, um, this was something I could do you know, during nap time or while I have her in a carrier. So I just started testing it out with like Crayola markers. um, Okay. And just practiced a ton. So. Yeah. It's tough to have a baby in like glitter or photo books or whatever around with things. Yeah. When this is going on. (laughs) Yeah. No, like hot glue or anything with fumes, you know? (laughs) Right, 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 right. What's your background in schooling? Did you study art at all or just something that you decided to pick up later? I I have a bachelor's in psychology, which, you know, has nothing to do with art. Um, (laughs) It was something that I was really interested in whenever I was 19. And I mean, I'm still interested in it, but it does not tie into my art at all. Um, The art side, I think, is more um, from family. My mom is extremely creative. She is a really amazing seamstress. Um, and okay. so it's my grandma. And so I think it's just kind of ingrained in me to have a creative view on a lot of things. So I didn't study it. I, I mean, there's a lot of times that I think, oh, it would have been really cool to study graphic design or something. Cause that's more up my alley now, but uh, yeah, yeah, psychology is what it was. So the psychology of uh, hand lettering, then that could be your, your book. <laughs> It should be. <laughs> how can I put those two together? I don't know. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So did, how many handmade dresses did you wear growing up? If your mom's oh, a seamstress. So many, so many. And my <laughs> girls have, I have two girls and they both have closets full of dresses. And my mom does custom embroidery. I mean, it's crazy. And um, the things okay. that she can do. I, I do not do well with a sewing machine. Um, I did not get that gene. So... Did you run away from it because your mom did it? Like, did she invite you to try it out or what? Yeah, she did offer me lessons several times with her. Um, I just don't have the patience to put it all together. I'm like, oh, I could just go to the store and buy it. But I mean, it is really cool that she can take, you know, a huge thing of fabric and turn it into something else that it wasn't before. So, Mm -hmm. but I just, I I don't have the patience or 
like, you know, you have to precisely cut things out. And that's just not always the way that I work. I like to work a lot on the fly where I'm like, oh, maybe I messed this element up of something and I can go and fix that. You really can't do that with sewing. If I cut right. it wrong, <laughs> I have to recut it. So that's not, you know, that's not a, an alluring piece of sewing to me. So. Okay. It's a little too rigid and uh, high stakes then. Yeah. Yeah. So what got you making hand lettering items and starting to do work for other people? How did that process start? I had just been doing it for fun. Um, I had started an Instagram, was posting about it. And then really it was just through word of mouth and from friends. They were asking mm -hmm. me, you know, can you help create this logo or, um, you know, I need help with something for my baby's room or something for my wedding. I've done some wedding invitations and different things like that. So then it just kind of snowballed from there, um, from friends and people in the community. And then I put things online and then I had a much bigger reach of people just mm -hmm. happen to see things on Instagram. And then we're asking, you know, can you help me bring this idea that I have to life, which is really like my bread and butter. I love whenever people are like, I have this small idea and I'm not sure how to execute it. And then I love to take that and just expand on it and say, well, how could we make this much bigger yeah. and much cooler than what you had in mind in the beginning? I always tell people it's, it's your idea plus my creativity. And that's kind of yeah. what you're paying for. If you're paying for stuff is that you're paying for the artist to, to go ahead and expound upon what you've given them, not just do whatever they tell you to do. Exactly. How do you ride that? Yeah. How do you ride that line with people then of like, Oh, this is what I want. You're like, yeah, but this would be better. I mean, I love to push people and say, well, have you thought about, you know, let's, let's look into this a little bit more of how we could go outside of your comfort zone a little bit. And most people are really open to it. I have done um, some commission pieces where people are very exact. And I have really learned to um, set some boundaries and say, you know, here are my terms. I will help you with this, but also I have to have some creative license in this um, because mm. I'm not just doing exactly, you know, what you want me to do. Obviously there are really talented people who will do that, but, um, I like to have some room to wiggle and some room to expand on things because that's yeah. what really makes it fun. And that's how I put, you know, my spin on things also. How did you go about pricing what you were doing, whether it was your own creation that you were just kind of putting out in the world or doing mm -hmm. some commission work for somebody else? Pricing is so, so hard for me. I, um, you know, I just have a really hard time with wanting to give people a good deal because I understand that because I want a good deal. But yeah. um, my husband has been really pushing me to be like, you know, you need to set like a per hour rate. And that yeah. makes it easier to tell people, hey, this is how much I charge per hour. This is my minimum um, plus whatever supplies are needed. And that really has helped me set a baseline for people. Um, because, mm -hmm. you know, like any other service, you have to give prices and have them set because if I'm all over the board, it's really unfair to my customers if I am telling different people, different prices. And it's also really unfair to everybody else who works in the same industry that I do, because if I am mm -hmm. undervaluing my work and pricing everything extremely low, it hurts the entire community of people who are hand lettering or creating any sort of handmade goods because 
then they'll say, well, I got it from someone who charged a quarter of the price that you did. And you know, like it's painful whenever people say that because it's like, oh, they didn't make any money off of that. They lost a ton of money making that for you, you know? And so I think um, having that set hourly rate and then being able to expand on that is really, really helpful, especially whenever I bring in new um, pieces, because then I can really take a look at how long did it take me or how can I streamline this to make it a little bit more affordable for people and a little bit more Mm -hmm. accessible to larger groups or anything like that. So yeah, definitely having that set rate, it's really, really been helpful to me. When you quantified that, when you laid it out and put the different pieces together that you're talking about when hourly rate of minimum supplies, Mm -hmm. maybe an upfront art fee, those kinds of things, were you surprised by how much that really should cost? And then were you also surprised by people's willingness to just flat out say, yeah, I'll pay that because I want your art? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is a little jarring whenever you put it all down and then you realize that you charge someone, you know, $2 an hour to make right, something for right. them. Um, I mean, that's like a knife to the heart right there. But um, I think there are certain groups of people who are looking for certain things. And this is with anything that's handmade, any kind of art, there's always someone who's going to be willing to pay for your specific type of art. You just have to tap into that group of people and then they won't mind paying your fee of what's fair to you because you should be making a livable wage and beyond for the things that you are spending so much time and not just physical time, but also, you know, time mentally to create these things. So I think it, I was scared putting it out there with prices in the beginning, but the willingness of people to say, this means that much to me to pay for it. And I trust you. Um, was really big for me. And then that gave me more confidence to keep going and go further with um, the things that I create. Did it help you be a little ruthless on the back end too? When somebody says, Oh, I can't pay that you go. Yeah. All right. Too bad. Yeah. And that is, that's not my personality at all. Um, I, I like to be very accommodating. Um, My husband is not, not that he's not accommodating. He's just um, a lot more (laughs) blunt than I am. And being married to someone for, you know, nine years, um, has brought a little bit more of that out in me. So I'm, okay. I'm a lot more comfortable with saying, no, I'm sorry. You know, these are the prices I would love to work with you in the future. Um, and I think some people are okay with going on and finding cheaper artists elsewhere. And I just have to be okay with that and just let it go and say, that's Okay. You know, I, I do not have to create for every single person who asks or has an inquiry about something, because that's the thing. It's just an inquiry. It's not a commitment to anything. And and I have to be okay with that. Right. What's with the back to the future poster behind you? This is my husband's office. (laughs) So um, (laughs) back to the future. Let's see. He has the Goonies up there and um, the battle of the Bay, which is the A's and the Giants, which he originally bought to put in our oldest daughter's nursery, and then I vetoed it. So it hangs in his office now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. It's just like a a tour de force of 80s movies there for a couple. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So what made you feel comfortable taking on the challenge of CNC? Uh, I was not extremely comfortable with the machining. Um, Once it started up, I was like, oh, man, I could easily take my hand off if I am not treating this properly. 
Um, but I think the possibilities that it offers was really okay. the, you know, the thing that drew me to it the most was that, hey, there are all of these things that I, I mean, I probably could create some of these things by hand with like a scroll saw or a jigsaw or something, but talk about dangerous. I feel like that is like more high stakes with going in there with a jigsaw and trying to cut out teeny tiny pieces. Um, so, I mean, I like that I, I already know a lot about digital design. Um, and so really that was a really seamless thing with taking my designs to the software. And so because there's already a software in place that's so easy to use, that was a really big draw for me. And then being able to use so many different stocks also, you know, you're not limited to really thin, like eighth inch or quarter inch. You could do something that's way bigger and make something on a much bigger scale also. So, mm -hmm. I mean, this is like my vinyl cutting machine times a thousand, you know, cause I had sent things to there before, but nothing like this. Yeah. So do you have a, a quick cutter, a silhouette then? I have a silhouette. I've had it for several yeah. years and I've used it for stencils and various things. Right. My my daughter has her own little business making hair clips with it. So we use it Fun. for that. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't understand if you're in the silhouette or cameo world, you're already doing all the same stuff. Yeah. You're running all this all only thing that's different is the fact that there's a bit in there and then it's spinning. Other than that, yeah. it's exactly the same machine. You're, you're functioning with the same stuff. So did that really help? Was, were your skills from that vinyl cutter informative to learning to run and understanding the software and the mechanisms of the machine? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the setup of the machine is so, so similar to the silhouette. And even down to, you know, with the silhouette, you put things on a mat and you line it up. And it, mm -hmm. it does a zeroing process for you. Um, you have to go in and put in some of the settings, but it's very, very similar to- Right, the, the auto knife. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very similar to, you know, how you line up your stock and zero it out and all of that. I mean, it's, it is a really seamless process, especially because the design software is very, very, very similar. And I don't think people realize that is that, you know, using um, the silhouette or the Cricut design, it's really, really similar to Carbide Create. And that's what I, I kept telling my husband, I'm like, man, this is so easy to use because I already know what I'm doing because it's it has so many of the same elements in it. Yeah, I've actually used the Silhouette Studio to trace something and then output a PDF. And I've, I've brought it back over to Carbide Create at times because I found that that software traces fairly well. And it was before yeah. Carbide Create had trace. I was mm -hmm. running the silhouette and going, okay, I can just grab it over here, manipulate it here, and then I bring it back over to the CNC. I found the two machines to be very similar. And as you're saying, the software yeah. to be very, very accommodating in both regards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So what, what went well at the very beginning and what did you have to kind of overcome or adjust your thinking or learn? I think um, just setting up the machine and doing a couple test projects, like carving things like the advanced V carve and carving in my lettering was really easy. And that was, you know, not a big hurdle to get through. Um, just taking things over from my iPad or even from a, from a piece of paper into carbide create was really, really easy. I think one of the biggest things I had to work through was, um, knowing how to use the bits 
correctly, like which bits yeah. to use and when. And that took um, a lot of Googling. <laughs> I spent a lot of time reading okay. and a lot of time looking at what all the different kinds of bits do and when I can use them or why you should use them and with what different stock. But once I was well-versed on that, it was a lot easier to understand because at first mm -hmm. it can kind of feel like you're speaking a foreign language whenever you're talking right. about all the different elements of CNC. Um, but once you get a feel for it, it does feel a lot easier and then things feel a lot more accessible. So running the machine wasn't as scary once I kind of knew what I was doing, but cutting, cutting things out was um, definitely a learning curve with cutting out lettering because you have to use tabs and I, um, yep, I didn't the first time um, or I didn't use enough and I lost just several pieces. And so then it didn't say anything at the end. It was just, you know, kind of like loops. And I brought it in, I'm like, yeah. well, this is cool, but also would have been cooler if I could read it, so. Right, right, if it weren't in Klingon or something, yeah. <laughs> it'd be better. <laughs> Uh, yeah, using a machine usually opens some ideas and unlocks some creativity. You already kind of touched on that. Where did your mind go as you were learning and as you started to create things that weren't just looking like loops, that actually looked like your art? Where did you start to wander with your creative process? I think, you know, de designing things where I could incorporate various elements. So, you know, 3D things that incorporate more than just one part of my lettering or art, you know, so whether that be creating a backer for a sign that has florals on it or a map or drawing that I can put my words over and have it stand out either on acrylic or with a different color wood, something mm -hmm. like that, where, um, you know, it adds a lot of interest to different things that I could create. Whereas, you know, creating with digital design, I can add those things in, but none of it is 3D. But it's also right. a lot easier for me to incorporate a whole bunch of different drawings and put them all together and um, arrange them. But I can't do that with wood and a paint pen or right. wood and a rotary tool. Um, I can't carve a design in and then add a 3D element on top of it. I mean, you could, but it would be a long process and um, not definitely not as clean. So I think the opportunity to really blend um, various types of lettering or drawing was really cool for me. And that was one of the big things I really shifted to um, with designing was how can I incorporate various things to create more interest in my pieces. Okay. What kind of comments or questions did you get from your audience when you put the video out? Um, a lot of what is this machine? <laughs> um, <laughs> like what, what is, how is this different? Cause we see a lot of lasers um, yeah. in the space, you know, um, because there are certain ones that are like plug and play or, you know, vinyl cutting machines, but I don't think a lot of people in the hand lettering space see people use CNC's. And so, you know, being able to show like, oh, you can take like a giant block of wood and turn it into something else was really mm -hmm. cool. So it was a lot of, you know, is it hard to learn? Um, how do you convert your designs, which is also a really big hurdle for a lot of letters who don't know how to convert things to SVGs. So you may have all this lettering, but 
you don't know what to do with it. So that's where having the trace function is a really big deal for a lot of letters. So being mm -hmm. able to talk to people in my community and say like, oh, you know, this is really accessible and you can take over your lettering and it picks it up, you know, real quick, real easy um, without having to go in and manipulate things and, you know, try and change things up or learn an entire new design software. You just bring right. it on over and it's nice and easy and nice and seamless. Do you think there's a market for your CNC stuff with some of the other folks you've already worked with, with hand lettering? Do you see the, those two things dovetailing? Yeah, definitely. I think especially because I've created a lot of things for weddings and also mm -hmm. a lot of things for um, babies, which I'd like to say, you know, big life events is usually my focus. So um, I think that that both of those things, you know, weddings, babies or I've done even some like memorials things like that people are always looking for unique pieces that they then can keep and hang in their house and it's something that you can look at and it reminds you of that day that person whatever it may be so I think that there's definitely a place for it because this creates an even more tangible keepsake than just a wedding invitation or maybe just a guest book sign that you had to put your mm -hmm. wedding. Um, this is something that you could keep forever would be my hope as an artist. What's your next project? Or what have you already made besides the video? Where, where have you gone? Um, so I have made a serving tray. Um, I made a bar sign for my husband's best friend. Um, he built a bar outside. So I made him a bar sign because he wanted one. Um, and I have created, but I have not tried yet a um, floral carving that I'm really excited to try. Um, okay. So we'll see how that one goes. That that will be like the first time I've, you know, carved something other than lettering. So okay. um, I've been really playing around with that on like the depths to give it the look that I like. Where's the machine? In the garage? It's in the garage, yep. Okay. What got moved to accommodate the shape Oko and, and what got moved into coming back? <laughs> um, all of my husband's things got moved. He, he was a good sport about it. Um, he, he made a table for himself that is on wheels so that he could store all of his large things underneath it. Um, okay. So he was very accommodating in moving all of his tools because he really does dominate um, the garage space. I have a scroll saw out there and I have a rotary tool, but he has a lot more things. So um, I just said, you know, I need some space and he shifted things over for me. So it was nice. Is he going to try the shape Oko? You going to get him on that? He, on um, yeah, he has, he has given me some ideas and I will execute them. He's not big on design. He's very, very good with woodworking and building things. He is like my go-to person to teach me how to use tools. So, um, that's been really helpful. He, we have a 3d printer that he knows how to use. I don't know how to use. So that was actually okay. really helpful. And him, he helped me figure out, um, you know, the different X, Y, and Z axis, because that's mm -hmm. really similar to the 3d printer. So he was able to explain that to me, showing it to me on a, you know, smaller scale and mm -hmm. zeroing everything out is really, really similar with that also. So that was helpful. Well, it's interesting that he does the 3D printer, but hasn't 
dove into the shape oko even though <laughs> they're the same except one is additive and one is subtractive but they they move in exactly yeah. the same way yeah he um he did a lot of the setup for the shape oko which was awesome um and built it for me but uh okay. yeah he he's more of um the building guy so he'll say like oh you should make this and then i'll do the design for him um because i know how to work the design software but yeah uh, he's okay. uh he's kind of the um handyman for me so helping me cool. sand things or execute things or measure things because that is also not my strong point with precision of measuring things and <laughs> putting things together that is that's his domain not mine <laughs> Well, the shape Oko can help you out with that then. Yeah, it makes, makes exact shapes, unlike a scroll saw, for instance. Yeah. Oh, yes. Well, yeah. Well, fantastic. I'm glad it was such a positive experience to, to yeah. use it. And it seems to have opened up some interesting doors and be interested to see where, where you go with it next. I know we're planning on doing another video together, but that certainly won't be yes. the end of your, your CNC experience. It's not like one and done or two and done. No, no, I'll keep going. So you'll be able to follow it along, at least with some of my successes on Instagram. I should start posting some of my fails because that might be interesting also. Yeah, I've, I've left some in. I have one. In have the, I made a the Ferrari sign that I made here and I, I left it in. So oh, yeah. always use tabs because I wasn't using them. I was trying to get away without having them on there. Yeah. And sure enough, it cut out half the shield and just went <laughs> and got stuck. I was like, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, well. It happens it to everybody. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, thanks for spending the time on the Maker's Garage here. Uh, when this goes up, I'll let you know. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you so much for having me.